0: This is Dr. Karen Wilson Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, I'd like to talk with you about three. Leadership Lessons from Frederick Douglass. And many of you might know that Frederick Douglass was a black man who was born approximately in February of 1818. He was born Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey, and he was born in a place called Tuckahoe, which was near Hillsboro, about 12 miles from Eastern Maryland. And Frederick Douglass was born into slavery. It was understood that his father was a white man. He didn't know who it was, possibly the slave owner, but he wasn't really sure. And he was separated from his mother at infancy, which was the traditional practice in slavery at the time. And so he grew up in this way in Maryland, mostly in the rural areas, but for some of his life, he had an opportunity to be lent out to families in the Baltimore area as well. So there are three things I want to highlight from his life. Even though he was in slavery, there were three things he did that I want us to pay attention to. One, he always envisioned and believed in a better future no matter where he was. That's number one. Number two, in spite of the fact that he was in slavery, he stood up for himself. And number three, he really focused on being a continual learner and preparing for his future. So if I go back to the first point about pursuing freedom and having this vision in his mind, one of the things he says as a quote, he said, it may be that my misery in slavery will only increase my happiness when I get free. There is a better day coming. So in this very difficult circumstance that he was in, he was able to picture a different reality than what he was experiencing at the moment. And as you might imagine, slavery was very dangerous. And if you... Attempted to escape and failed, your lot could be far worse off than if you never tried the attempt. So in in his history, he did have one failed attempt that he was going to do with a total of four people. They were discovered and betrayed, and he ended up going to prison for a little bit of time over this. And ultimately, he was sent to a very harsh slave master camp for retraining is what happened to him. So despite all of that, Frederick Douglass continued to keep the vision and picture in his mind that freedom was a possibility. So eventually, after he got away from the harsh camp, he went to Baltimore and he was with a family that was a little bit more reasonable than what he had experienced in the rural area. And eventually, around about 1838 or so, he managed to escape to freedom. And if you've studied history at all, you'll know that Frederick Douglass became a great orator, a great abolitionist, and he helped hundreds of other people to also escape from slavery. So here's another thing I want to say about that vision that he had for a better future. It wasn't just about him. He also wanted to know, How could he help other people experience and have a better future as well? So there were a couple other pieces here that he added to the vision part. And secondly, that was he stood up for himself. So when he was with the slave breaker at that farm that he went to, Edward Covey, he went to that particular person's farm to be broken. He was treated very, very harshly. And one of the things he thought to himself as he came there, a man, and he was being transformed into a brute. One day, he said, I'm going to stand up for myself. And that's the day that he went from being a slave and being made into a man. So this day, he was being um, the the slave uh, breaker was determined to whip him that day and to tie him up with ropes and, and to do all kinds of, of harm, and he actually fought him back. Now, you have to understand in history at that time, if you were a black man and you were a slave, you did not hit someone who was white. That was very dangerous. And so he grabbed him by the throat, and they were in this kind of uh, contest of force of wills. And the slave breaker asked some other people to help And Frederick Douglass kicked one of them in such a way he decided to stay out of the fight. And then the other person said, "Uh, nope, that's not what I'm here for. And so it was just the two of them. At the end of it, it was such sort of a truce of sorts that the slave breaker realized if he got in that contest again, he might be seriously hurt. And he had a reputation to maintain of truly being a slave breaker. So it wasn't really in his best interest to put out there that that this this particular slave, you know, was somewhat unruly. So the two of them just had a sort of a tacit understanding. And he never touched Frederick Douglass in those ways again. So standing up for himself actually worked. Later in his life, In about 1841, he refused to move to a segregated Jim Crow railroad car, and he was thrown off the train. So at that point, he was practicing way in advance of Dr. Martin Luther King, a nonviolent kind of protest against injustice. So again, he was standing up for himself, though it was dangerous and very difficult. The third thing he did in his life is he was a continuous learner. So one of the first times that he went to Baltimore, he stayed with a family uh, where that was, again, a relatively kind family. And the mistress of the family had started teaching him the alphabet and how to read. This was very liberating for Frederick Douglass. And he started to learn a lot until finally the lady of the house, her husband told her, stop, you can't teach a slave to read. That's not going to work. Then he's not going to want to be a slave anymore. And so therefore, she she refused to teach him to read it anymore and snatched any newspapers from him. However, he was pretty clever and he was pretty smart. There were a lot of young boys in the neighborhood, white boys, who were about his age and they were in the neighborhood and they were being educated. They were going to school. He befriended these young boys and made them his teachers and he learned from them. And so He had a lot of food, a lot of bread available to him in the house, which he was free to to eat or to utilize. He took bread with him, and he would trade physical bread with these boys who were somewhat needing of food, and they would give him the bread of knowledge and wisdom in exchange. So he would— have a contest. All right, I wrote this letter here. What is the next letter? And then they would write the next letters. And through this process, he actually learned to read. So he was very, very clever in that respect. And as a result, he read books, he read newspapers, and learned of abolitionists, and learned of the possibility of becoming free. So that, as I mentioned earlier, he had a chance to escape to the north. And because of all this self-taught learning and his natural gifts, we know of him today. And he actually wrote his own autobiography in the 1800s. That's amazing when you consider the background that he came from. So you might be wondering, what does all of this have to do with your workplace? Everything we've been talking about concerning Frederick Douglass. Well, number one, it's very important for you to have a future vision for yourself and also for organizations to have a future vision for themselves. So at the individual level, what job do you aspire to be in? What's the level of contribution that you really want to make? How can you begin to see that even now and start to prepare for it? And at the organizational level, Where do you want to be in the world? What contribution do you want to make? What value do you want to create? And how can you begin to prepare for that? Secondly, when we're talking about standing up for yourself, maybe you're in a situation where a boss is perhaps mistreating you. Maybe a boss is speaking to you in a way that you find to be disrespectful or perhaps even abusive on some level. It's very important to educate others on how you want to be treated. So, for example, I'll share a couple stories even from my own life. I remember when I was in the military and I had a boss who said some things that were certainly not very respectful in how he said it. And it was very harsh And how he chose to speak to me. He was the big boss. And then there was another boss who was kind of the intermediate boss in between. So I was talking to the intermediate boss. I said, you know, I really didn't appreciate the fact that so-and-so spoke to me in this way. So the intermediate boss said, oh, well, just think about him as maybe like your father and how your father might talk to you. And I became quite outraged. I said, my father would never speak to me like that. My father is a very mild-mannered person, very encouraging as a matter of fact. And I was just like quite offended that he would make this comparison. I said, um, no, my father would never do that. And in fact, I said, I really am not going to tolerate that kind of conversation in the future. So I think what happened was the mid-range boss probably had a conversation with the big boss. And the big boss never spoke to me in that way again. So we never had to have a face-to-face, but I spoke up about it because I didn't think that it was appropriate or necessary. That's one example. In another case, I remember being, this was in a civilian job. I had a boss who was somewhat disrespectful, and I said to this person, I said, now, we can talk about this matter, and we can talk about this issue, and that's fine. However, I'm not going to accept the way in which you're choosing to speak with me. So if we're going to talk about this, here's what we need to do instead. And so i made, uh, you know, very made it very clear what was acceptable behavior and what was not. Eventually, in that case, I also made a decision that, you know, this organization had some pieces where they were tolerating this type of leadership. So I ultimately voted with my feet and moved to another opportunity. <laughs> and so you can sometimes do the same thing yourself. All of this reminds me of a song that's by the Staple Singers and it's called Respect Yourself. And the whole idea is if you don't respect yourself, nobody else is going to give a hoot either and they're not going to respect you. So sometimes you've got to stand up to stand out. And as I said before, people will do what we allow them to do. So sometimes we've got to stop that. So that's number two. Three, in terms of what does this mean for you? It's very important to identify the learning that you need for that future that you are creating for yourself and that future that you are envisioning and the one that you're going to pursue. And so think about it in the organizational context also that not only are you developing you, but how are you developing your people in the organization? Planning that succession in the organization so that they are ready for that greater vision that you're seeing and the possibility for the future. So that's how we can apply what we're learning today from Frederick Douglass. So if you want to talk more about the specific situation that you're in and how you can create a greater vision for yourself as a senior leader, or a greater vision for your organization. Let's talk. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. For more information, please visit my website, transleadership.com.